try to kill us, but my village too strong. Long live the people. Here we go again with the bullshit you want. Long live the people. We have all these mixed blood people all across the country. We cannot exclude them. There's nothing wrong with being Red River Metis. We are all Metis. There was an attempt to define Metis. And we said no. There's Métis from Red River. What's wrong with Métis from someplace else? And they were also Métis people. Uniting our people is at a very sad state. We are all Métis. All right, welcome to the Jig is Up. And with me as always is the professor. Hey, Darcy, have you blown away down south yet? Getting very, very close. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I wanted to first off start off by congratulating Aaron Paquette on his uh, kind of a major win in Edmonton there for in, uh, Métis or Indigenous people. Uh, so, you know, congratulations to him. It was a fantastic win. I'm glad he won. He definitely deserves yes, it. Super, super awesome. Great guy. I don't think, uh, you know, I think he did a good job. And, you know, I think it's good to have some representation in Edmonton. And uh, I think you'll do a good job. Absolutely. I uh, uh, I was just looking at some of the numbers. I think he won by over a uh, little round 1,000 votes or something. So that was uh, that was good. And, you know, it was interesting. I actually was able to read about the guy, the only other Indigenous person that's ever been elected in city council in Edmonton. And I think he left office in 74. But uh, if you ever get a chance, look him up. His story is absolutely amazing. Uh, I think he, you know, by the time he was 13, he was a Golden Gloves boxing champion. He was, uh, he went on to be a boxing, like massively successful at boxing, then decided to play football. And, oh, it was a crazy story. So very interesting fellow. So Aaron's got some big shoes to fill, I think. But I think he'll do pretty good up there. Oh, I do too. Yeah. It was... uh, a little disappointing in Calgary because we didn't get an in, an indigenous representative or a First Nation representative on city council, but that's all right. Life will go on. So at least at least <laughs> one, one of the, step at a time. That's right. At least one city has. I, I think. Well, I, I we do have a Métis guy on Calgary, but I don't know if he's. I don't know if he he's kind of like in the closet about being Métis, so I don't know if he really is all that proud Métis, but. <laughs> he he also made a nice comment about Jewish people, so I don't know if we really yeah. want to acknowledge that too much. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's doing us many favors. No. Um, so I the other thing I wanted to talk about today, and we're just gonna kick right into it, is uh, the sixty scoop and the the travesty that that of not including Métis yet again. So we're still living in the proverbial road allowance where. You know, we're left out of pretty much everything. And uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Jason? Well, it's such a, a bad onion. Um, and it, it's so divisive on so many different levels that it's really hard to really get my head around. You know, right up front, I don't understand. I don't understand the division at all of why one person would be compensated and another person wouldn't when they're both Indigenous um, it sure seems like we're back to the road allowance days and the government's going to do whatever it can uh, really to reduce its financial obligations. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think the only explanation that I ever read or saw was that there was not accurate records of who was Métis back then. 
so they don't know who to give the compensation to. So it goes back to if they would have had, you know, the Métis registered in an, in a Métis Act, like they did with an Indian Act, then we'd be included in compensation. But because the government says, oh, well, we didn't have a um, national registry for Métis, so how do we know who's Métis? Uh, which, you know, I think is a pretty much a cop-out. I mean, it's the easiest cop-out in the world for the government to use. But that, So that's the only excuse I've seen as to why they were not included. I don't know if you've read anything other than that. or No, that's pretty much the, you know, the standard response. And that's, you know, again, boils down to this fact that if they don't control our identity and they don't control who, who we are, then they have no responsibility to the Métis people. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it boils down to the heart of it, like a lot of the issues that Métis face when it comes to the government. I mean, we were excluded from the TRC, more than likely for the same reason, that, well, how do we know that they were Métis? Well, <laughs> you ask the family, that's how you would know they were Métis. Um, but according to the government, that's not accurate enough. They need paper, they need documents, they need proof. And that's the world that the, the colonial government lives in, is paper and documents and proof. Um, and it, uh, it, it's unfortunate. And now I, I did see that uh, Carolyn Bennett said that, you know, this is only the first step and that they will be looking to address the non-status and Métis in the 60 scoop down the road. Uh, so what that means, I have no idea. What does that mean to you or does it mean anything? I don't know. Well, I think it's like everything that comes with the Métis people. It's, uh, you know, see you later. You know, this will be a later man's problem, a later government's problem. You know, they're probably hoping that this, at the very least, they might have to deal with Métis people in their next term, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and if, if ever, I mean, what? how do you bring a, a, a case against the government and say you're Métis and the government goes, well, you can't prove it, so we don't have, there's no case. I mean, that's kind of the logic that you're looking at with the with the Supreme Court and any Canadian court or colonial court, colonial government, is if you walk into court and say, well, I'm Métis, and they go, well, we don't recognize you as Métis because you don't meet the Pauli criteria, so see ya, you're out. Um, I mean, what do you do? There's no redress for that, right? And guaranteed, that's what they're going to fall back on is establishing Métis identity using the Pauli criteria. Even though that's not what it's for, that's what the government's going to use it for, and it's uh, it's you know again it's a very dangerous slope that we're we're leading down with this. Yeah, and it definitely does seem to always come back to this this constant battle of Métis identity. Um, you know, we have a sixty scoop where all Indigenous people were taken to, and yet now somehow non-status Indians and you know, who are only made non-status from, from 1960 onward uh, because of, of government registrations and then because Métis people have been denied our Indigenous, you know, identity and entitlement, they just continue to go down this road. And I think the really maddening part for me about this whole thing is this then spills over into Métis people and Métis conversations about who we are and our own ability to determine our identity and our membership roles. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I mean, I don't even really know what to say. It's, it just takes it down a, a road where you, you, you really can't win because the government wants 
proof in a certain way that you can't deliver. So you there's no winning in this. And you know, I, the other thing that this brings up for me, which uh, you know is easy for me to go to, is is I question the the leadership and the organizations that are out there right now that are representing Métis. Um, where were they when the TRC was announced? When were where were they when this lawsuit was moving forward? Um, and where were they in fighting for Métis people? Uh, you know, they they love to brag about all the memorandums of understanding and and how the prime minister himself will call me when they make a decision to split INAC up into two entities and you know they brag about these things and they brag about these connections how does that benefit Métis people because clearly this doesn't um they don't benefit them when it comes to things like 60 scoop or the TRC and what's next um so where is this leadership? And of course, afterwards, they're all offended and, and upset. Yeah, but, but what were you doing beforehand? And, you know, like I look at leaders like Harry Daniels who fought to have us included in the Constitution, and he had to fight for that. And I don't believe that anybody puts that same fight in today that's in in leadership in those organizations. And, well, that, I think that that's the sad point is if we talk about historic Métis leadership, you look at, uh, you know, if we want to go to Pali, Pali wasn't a member of any organization. This was one guy on his own. If we look at uh, Daniels, he wasn't a card-carrying member of, of any of the cartel organization. So this is the reality we have to come to, and it's a very hard conversation to have, is that there isn't any Métis leadership. There's really just government-funded bureaucrats who call themselves Métis leadership. And the sad thing I think of that, that's about the TRC and the 60 Scoop is this constant division of identity and what it means to be Métis. And we have Métis people now using these government uh, rulings that are highly punitive to Métis people as criteria for for Métis people to identify themselves. So, I mean, we've got a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome going on. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, no, and it, it's, uh, I don't know, it's very, it's very disheartening. I mean, you know, it's one thing when we talk about culture and we talk about, you know, even for us, you know, we talk about youth camps and things like that, but really, I mean, when it gets pretty serious when you start looking at things like the 60 Scoop, where, I mean... This irrevocably damaged and traumatized people and and severed family ties and destroyed families. This is more important than, you know, having a bus and going around trying to pick up new members or and things like that. Like, this is the stuff that you got to show leadership on. All that other stuff is just organizational niceties. But this is the stuff where, where we need leadership and this is where we're falling down and, and we're allowing the government to tell us what we get, what they're going to give us, who we are. And I, uh, you know, it's just another step in that, in that process. And I, I highly suspect we won't see this addressed in probably in my lifetime as to the effect this had on, on the, or um, a compensation for Métis people when it comes to the 60 scoop or the uh, residential school system. I mean, I just don't believe we'll see that, that compensation or that same level of, of compassion given to Métis or non-status people. 
Yeah, and, and it leaves Métis people out in the cold. And if there was an issue that we should be uniting over and getting behind, regardless of what, who or what we think it means to be Métis, these are the kinds of things that should be at the forefront. And instead, it's, you know, a lot of crickets, a lot of silence on a lot of, uh, you know, people who claim to have very large organizations, very large membership roles, who claim to be Métis governments and call themselves ministers of portfolios. We sure seem to have a lot of Métis people who are still going to be seeking some justice for a very long time. Absolutely, and and I think it's uh, it's I mean it's to me it's insulting to the people that went through the '60s scoop and that went through the residential school system. I mean, are we even? What are we doing to address the fact that Métis people were thrown off land and and have it taken taken away and forced to live on road allowances? Are we? Is there? Where's the compensation for that? Um, I mean, that was, you know, like, these are the things that we need leadership on, and it's just falling down. Uh, I would say, honestly, we, we haven't had a very strong leadership since, you know, the early 80s, or early to mid-80s, or, or, you know, since Harry Daniels, really. Um, and, you know, the leadership that's in these cartels now fought against Harry Daniels the whole time. So, you know, I, I think the government has done a great job at dividing us as a people and pushing us into this Métis identity issue when we got to stop this and start looking at who the problem, who is causing the problem. And uh, the longer we bicker and fight, I mean, that's, that's just the better for them because they'll, they'll run their course and have their life and get their pensions and we'll still be fighting to have, you know... The Métis that attended residential schools recognized and compensated like the the First Nations were. So <laughs> where are we going to be in 20 years? Still fighting this stuff. Yeah, and I see that as the great, the great folly of this is when Métis people, individuals, uh, talk on different social media platforms about using Pauli as a way to determine Métis identity like that is some kind of virtue to esteem. It really makes my, me scratch my head. Because we've allowed the government to dictate to us, and not only dictate to us, we then turn around and absolutely embrace that crown ruling as our own process. Yeah. This is a, you know, that's, I just can't wrap my head around why we would let the government of Canada dictate to the Métis people how we choose to identify ourselves. And what I really find funny is if you look at the Pali decision, it allows for communities and organizations to use other criteria to develop membership because of things like the TRC and the 60 scoops and ongoing issues that disconnected families. Pali allows for that. However, if we as organizations create a membership that is inclusive and re- allows for the reestablishment of those things, those organizations are criticized as having lack lax membership. Yeah. Well, yeah. You can't have it both ways. No. You know, do we want reconciliation where we're going to acknowledge the fact that there's been huge traumas to Métis people, a huge violation of rights, and they're going to be people who need some real love and tender care to be able to get back and have their family lives restored. And instead we have our own people talking about Pauli as some kind of virtuous act given to us on a silver platter by the government of Canada to help us determine for ourselves who we are. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I don't even know where to go with that. It, it's just crazy. Um, 
And all it does is it perpetuates and continues to harm those who've gone through these things. I mean, they've gone through enough, and now they, you know, they're not even, in a lot of cases, considered part of their own community of Métis people. They're not welcomed in that community. They're not accepted, and it just further isolates and creates more pain. Um, You know, I've talked to people who didn't even go through these things, who are experiencing extremely painful scenarios where uh, they're being told they're not Métis. They were Métis, they're not Métis. Well, you had a card, well, you don't have a card now. You're not Métis enough for us. And this is what these organizations do, and it, it is so frustrating. I mean, I've I've literally had, I don't know, I would say probably at least a dozen Métis that I've met who, you know, honestly, they, they openly cry because they don't feel included in the Métis community. They're afraid to say they're Métis because somebody will attack them for their identity because of whatever. And this is what we're doing to ourselves. This isn't the government mm-hmm. of Canada doing it. It's us. And it, it's shameful. Um, it is shameful. And I think that's the real problem is we've adopted language and conversation when we talk about communities and we talk about our own identity. And then we allow these things to get further, you know, uh, become punitive against us and let ourselves be excluded because we simply won't stand united. You know, I've seen even today talking about how could you be Métis if you have a Métis ancestor from four, one Métis an, Indigenous ancestor from 400 years ago. This is the, just drives me around the friggin' bend. Because if, let's face facts, 400 years ago you had an Indigenous ancestor. Well, and that father had a son. Well, is that son as Indigenous as the father? Probably. But then that boy grows up and he has a son. Is he somehow less indigenous than his grandfather was? You know, this is idiotic. Yeah. And we go through time and we wave these numbers around like, oh, 400 years. So on one hand, we say, well, indigenous people have been here since, who, you know, 15,000 years. But on the same hand, you can't be indigenous if you had an indigenous ancestor that was 400 years ago. Yeah. Well, have we been here for 11,000, 15, 20,000 years? Or, 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 you know, if it's past 1850, well, I'm sorry, you're just not indigenous anymore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. we adopt these blood quotient ideas from Europe, and then we try to foist them on Métis people, and we become our own worst problem. And then we allow the government to further go on and harm people who I truly believe have suffered enough trauma and enough politics when it comes to Métis identity issues with things like the C-Scoop. And we get excluded because we have weak leaders and we have weak people who support them. Absolutely. And... and uh... That's the bottom line with this, is if we had strong leaders, uh, this stuff wouldn't be happening. Um, you know, the, the government is, while they do screw pretty much everything up, uh, you know, they, they fear First Nations. And they, they do for a reason, because when First Nations start doing things like Idle No More, and when they start doing protests, and when things like Standing Rock happen, these are things that scare the government. And so the government listens to them. The government... Hey, they might not listen to him well, but at least they do in some cases. And so there is a little bit of power in that. Um, you know, you, you look at uh, across the globe, when, when things happen, First Nations come together They they from all different nations. They recognize they're all different nations. They, they have slight differences here and there. But they can all come together to do things like Standing Rock. And I just don't believe with the leadership we have right now, and the Métis identity politics, that we'd see something like that for Métis people. 
if we if we could do that, why weren't why aren't we doing that for the sixty scoop, you know, snub that you basically? Well, you guys went through it, but eh, it sucks to be you. I mean, that's government's attitude. Because what are the repercussions? There's nobody that's gonna on mass go to Parliament Hill and and protest or do anything. These organizations are gonna sit around, and in twenty years from now, they're gonna be going. Well, I don't want to exonerate Louis Riel because he did nothing wrong, and we have bigger issues to talk about, like why are we excluded from the 60 scoop? And I'm going to be a 65-year-old guy listening to that crap. Um, and, you know, it just continues, and it's it's maddening, and it's frustrating, and, and honestly, it just creates more... I don't know. I get pretty angry about it. <laughs> I'm sure you can tell, but it's just so frustrating. I don't know why we allow this stuff to continue. Well, I think that's what it boils down to. Um, anybody can call themselves a leader, but it isn't until Métis people support that person that that person is truly a leader. So I can only go so far in blaming the, the cartel and their stand because it's the Métis people. It's us. It's all those people I see on social media posting things and, and uh, you know, leaning one way or the other. <clears throat> They're the ones who give these organizations and leadership power. Yeah. And until we until we stand up and decide, you know what, that's enough, and we're never going to see any real change. There's lots of people working for change. You and I work for change. We use this podcast, our YouTube, Kids Camp, to try to create change. But if people aren't going to stand up and own it, and their identity isn't going to mean a damn to them, well, there's nothing that's going to change, and we're just going to get sold down the river. And that's how this goes. Yeah. Absolutely, and and that's that is where we're heading. I mean, what's you know, like I said, what's the next thing that the Métis get left out of, and the government goes, eh, sorry, what are you gonna do? Um, it, it just is, it's never ending. I mean, if they can do it on the TRC and they can do it on the sixty scoop, they're gonna continue to do it on every single major thing that caused Métis families to be split up, that caused trauma, that caused pain. And they're just going to continue to do it because nobody's going to stand up. Nobody's going to make these organizations accountable. Um, there's just, I just don't see that action happening. I don't see that change happening. There's a lot of people on social media that complain, that get upset, or that, that defend these people. What are all you doing to get that, you know, included in the 60 scoop? It, because, you know, like you said, as much as we blame the leadership and the cartel, they're only a handful of people doing a handful of things. And we as Métis people need to stand up for this. And, you know, if we can't come together on issues like uh, 60 Scoop and who is and who's not Métis... I mean, how do we determine who is and who's not Métis in the 60 Scoop if we can't even determine who is and who's not Métis to get a card that gives us no benefit? Um, you know, I mean, if we can't come together on one on who's Métis now, how are we going to even, as a people, go back and say, well, no, this family was Métis and this family wasn't. It's it's ridiculous. And that's on our shoulders. Absolutely. I think that's the whole point of this. This is, you know, our insecurities about who we are as a people and our own identities are actually really laughable. And I think you hit the nail on the head as we're talking and arguing about who's authentically Métis and who's authentically not, which organization is has valid membership and which doesn't when there's not a Métis card in the world right now that gets you a diddly squat and we're arguing about it yeah we, like, you know if we would if we would stand united and say okay i don't give a crap if there's six hundred thousand Métis people in canada according to stats can let's get those people together and let's make a difference exactly 
Exactly. And let's so, sort out who's who's Métis and who's not. We'll sort that out as we go. But why do we got to quibble all over these meaningless things when we're getting sidetracked and sidelined on every major issue? I mean, we got the Daniels case ruling that says we're entitled to to things under Section 91. Well, how many decades are going to go by before my kids ever see anything? Well, exactly. And then, you know, you, you look at things like, I know it's not legally binding in Canada, but you look at uh, you know, United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People. We have the right to choose our, who represents us. So whether it's Organization A or B, and one's been here for 20 years and one's been here for 12, what does that matter? It, it doesn't matter at all what organization you pick. That's just an organization. It's not the people. It's not the nation. We are. So, you know, if I don't like or the cartel, why should I have to... Why should I be forced to pick them to be my representative? So let's, as org- as Indigenous people, start living these rights that we're supposed to have and start doing something about it. I mean, but instead we sit and we fight on social media and then we walk away and we feel good about ourselves because, you know, I really set that guy straight. And I, I fall into the same trap every once in a while and uh, get suckered into it. But the reality is, is we got to step up and we got to do something because we're just going to continue to get walked on. I mean, we should be getting compensation for everybody that lived on a road allowance. Is that happening? Is there a lawsuit there? Is there, what are, what are all these, what's people doing about that? You know? Um, no, it's exactly right. We talk about, you know, I mean, the, the cartel is the single largest major organization in Canada, but the reality is they call themselves a national government. But no national government has a, government with no opposition party no you know no opposition at all within its own organization you know last time i checked we live in a country where metis people have been and since time immemorial had the freedom of association and i don't understand why we're trying to belligerently badger badger people to believe that there's only one way metis people can form an organization or one organization that can represent them i don't understand why metis people are suckered into this dictatorship style of mentality you know, we want to talk about a new party. Look at Canada. How old is the Green Party? Exactly. Are they are they are they somehow not a valid party? Should we not vote for them because they're not really they don't really represent Canadians? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's idiotic, and we get sucked into these conversations where I think we we don't really talk it out. We don't really think things through to their you know ultimate conclusions, or we'd come to the understanding that if there was a if if there was a Métis nation. Well, then it should have a real government. That real government should have multiple parties. And multiple, you know, just like the any other form of government that we see, that we call democratic. Exactly. Well, and it, it should allow for different points of view. It should allow for a lot of things. But at the end of the day, we can all say, no, but we're all Métis. We come from different yeah, places. I- we, we have different ideas on certain things. We may even have some traditions that are different slightly, but we're all Métis. And we're all focused on fighting for the same thing. I mean, a lot of people would say, I'm not Métis. Okay, well, but if I'm fighting for Métis rights and I'm trying to hold a Métis, you know, youth camp and I'm trying to do these things, like, how can you say I'm not Métis? Like, it's ridiculous. Just because I don't herald from a certain geographic location, um, you know, you're not Métis enough. And it, it the, the whole concept is ridiculous. Um but my point, my point is, the, the, this is where we have to be able to 
come to grips with the fact that we live in the modern world, the year's 2017, and we should be able to build an inclusive Métis society, even though we might disagree. Yeah. At maximum, absolute maximum, according to StatsCan, there's 600,000 Métis people in Canada. And there's not one of us that gets anything real special other than the few people who can harvest. Yeah. So if we were absolutely inclusive to all 600,000 Métis people who claim that identity, right, wrong, or otherwise, how many First Nations people are there in Canada? How many Indian? Yeah. We are still at a maximum a very small group of people when Canada in and of itself is 30 million people. Absolutely. I don't know where Métis people get this idea of insecurity that if we open up the floodgates and just let everybody be Métis, well, there just won't be enough for all of us. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't understand that at all. Well, Since and when does uh, Canada not have enough resources, enough riches, enough industry, enough jobs, enough programs, enough health care to include all Métis people? Yeah. Well, that, but that's just it. And, 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 okay, so enough what? Enough special benefits for Métis. Well, what are those special benefits? Some people can harvest and some people can't. Does that determine who's Métis? No. So, like, what are these great benefits that we're all rushing to get? I mean, clearly, uh, there's no benefit to being Métis. And um, when it comes to the 60 scoop, the government left us out on that. Well, so, not even rushing to get. What, what are we trying to keep yeah. false Métis people from getting? Yeah, exactly. So if I falsely claim that I'm Métis, and I get a membership card in some organization that's giving them away like candy. Well, what did you get? Yeah. What does that card get you? Exactly. Nothing. So what? What the heck is the big deal? Yeah, like. Oh, our, you know. Like the, the okay, so let's uh, a billion dollar um, sixty scoop settlement, which we got nothing of. No beans. He got anything. So they're not getting part of that. <laughs> you could add. 28 million Métis out of Canada and in that they're still not getting any <laughs> yeah you know divide a billion hunting, by 28 hunting rights yeah. yeah hunting rights what do we need all programs and services nothing there land nothing there you know what I mean like I don't understand we're so internalized trauma I think that we're trying to find out who's authentically Métis because we're trying to trip over ourselves to make sure that only real Métis people get access well access to what yeah a few bursaries, a few scholarships, a few government handouts. I mean, good God, man, this is we got nothing. We're sitting here on the road allowance in the year 2017. You know, honestly, that's where we're at. We don't we don't get any programs and services. We don't get you know settlements. We get excluded from everything. We're back on the road allowance, and we're squabbling over who's really, you know, authentic. Well, yeah, we're, it's basically we're fighting about who should who should be allowed on the road allowance. Like it, it's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, we're so worried no, about sorry, keeping right? our little piece of the road allowance that uh, we're not we're not focusing on how we should all as people get off that road allowance and start living life. And I don't know. I guess uh, uh, yeah, I guess until that starts to change, we're just going to continue to be left out of things. I mean, who's going to stand up? Are we going to get uh, 30,000 Métis to march to Ottawa and say, you know, that's enough, we're, we're done with this? Are we going to get 5,000 Métis, 500 Métis going to do it? 
Who's who's standing up and forcing the government to ra- to go open their eyes and go, oh, geez, we should start watching what we do with these Métis people because they're starting to organize, and that kind of scares us. Because any time a group of people organize, that scares the government. And Well, and I find it shocking because we talk a lot about uh, Riel, and we talk a lot about what they did. And I, I believe there was a time when Métis people were feisty. I think they stood up for something. I think they were willing to, to put it on the line. I just don't know where those people are. Uh, I don't know what it's going to take to shake the dust off those people in the cobwebs and, and get Métis people fired up and realize we can sort out and, and uh, we can bicker later about who's authentic and who's not. But right now we need to circle the uh, Red River carts. We need to get the canoes in the water. We need to make a real difference here because the trauma is still going on. Exactly. And, uh, I don't know when it's going to end if we just allow ourselves to continually be split apart by a government, marginalized by a government, have our identity thrown in our faces by a government who wants nothing more than to make us go back to that road allowance and pretend we don't exist. And we seem all too willing to let that happen. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I don't even know uh, what else to say about it. I mean, it's it's just we're just going to continue to get left out in the cold. Um, we learn nothing from the TRC. We learn nothing from the 60 scoop. And like I said, in 10 years, we're still going to be left out in the cold on both of those items. And we'll still have leadership that continues to complain about it. And we'll still have people that are angry. But at the end of the day, we're left out. Um, and... There's only one group of people that can fix that, and it certainly is not going to be the government of Canada um, until they have a reason to fix it, and that's the bottom line. That's right. So we, the only way that's going to happen is we got to give them a reason. Exactly. we got to come together and as, as long, a people. Yeah. And as long as we keep fighting and everybody keeps trying to either start a new organization or discredit another one, we're not going to go anywhere. No. And it, it's disheartening. I'm... Uh, I've been uh, a little bit depressed about the whole thing. I mean, I'm depressed that, you know, 60 Scoop survivors uh, are left out. Uh, like everybody, we're all upset. Um, I don't I don't know, you know, I've seen people demanding statements from organizations on it. Well, what's to say? It's ridiculous that we were left out. There's our statement. Um, and we need to come together as a people and we need to fight that. Uh, and and again, we do need to do the same thing for the, our residential school survivors. And I think we need to do the same thing for the people that were kicked off their land and forced onto the road allowance. And I think we need to do the same thing going further and further and further back. But, yeah. um, you know, a couple of people can't do it all. So Well, until people are willing to put their keyboards down and put their feet in the real world and get out their front door and make a difference, this doesn't go anywhere. Exactly. You know, uh, we can all get on social media and on Facebook and and talk about statements from organizations and do whatever and mock them and and ask questions and throw our hands in the air. But if we're not willing to put our feet in the ground and we're not willing to get out in the real world and make it, the Métis people aren't going to see any change. No, absolutely. So for me, it's very sad. It's very disheartening. There's there's a lot of trauma that has gone on that needs to be made right. There's a reckoning that needs to take place. But that, that is going to go on, and it's going on right now. How many kids do we have in care? Yeah. That, uh, that don't need to be there, and, uh, but it's going on. And so 
my my biggest concern is when I turn 70 years old, are we going to be talking about, you know, in, in 2017 scoop? We're yep. talking about the the outrageous adoption rates and kids in care that we allowed to go on for decades because we were more concerned about who is authentically Métis. Absolutely. Yep, like you said, kids in care. Um, there's, you know, murdered missing women includes Métis women on a large scale. Uh you know, we, we have these issues. Why why are these organizations not fighting tooth and nail when it comes to the murdered and missing women's inquiry? Uh, why are they not front and center when it comes to the vigils that happen for murdered and missing women? Uh, these are all things that, that Métis people experience as well. And, you know, we're just not doing anything about, like you said, because we're too worried about... Whose card has a better genealogical system than the other card? And that we're never going to move forward. Never. If we continue to do that. But uh, but how do we ever stop the trauma? How do we ever stop the bleeding? If we uh, are just sitting here cutting each other with knives over about who's who and what's what. Exactly. I don't get it. I really don't get it. Exactly. And I don't yeah. either. I don't understand it. And, and I would love to see the, the, you know, the cartel change. I would love to see a complete change in leadership there. I would love to see strong community-based leaders come in there. I, and, you know, I, even if I'm not, if I can't join that organization because I don't meet their requirements, I would absolutely love to see that happen. But I just don't believe I will. I think those organizations aren't set up to do that. I don't believe that... Uh, you know, like we've said before, when you get 1% voter turnout, I I don't know how you expect change. You know, we keep doing the same things, and we've been doing it for 25, 30, 40 years, uh, arguing about identity, and we expect different outcomes, and it just ain't going to happen. So that's my two cents. I don't know. I got nothing else on that one. It's just well, sad. I could rant all night long. I just don't. I don't see the point until we get Métis people who actually care enough to do something in the real world. They're, you know, these organizations are going to run amok and everyone else is just going to get sidelined even further. Exactly. So yeah. this boils down to is if people want change, they're going to have to stand up and fight for it. Yeah, like change doesn't happen because a benevolent government decides that they're going to be really wonderful and just give it to you. Well, and, and even in our last episode, we talked about how the government approached the MNC and said, hey, do you want us to review the Riel case? And they said no. So even when the government does give you something, they say no anyway. So come on. We <laughs> we need to get moving here. Well, and that's just it. I mean, we're talking about ongoing trauma, systematic trauma to Métis people that's happening right now in families right across Canada. And we're arguing over who's got the best piece of plastic in their pocket and that, you know, that that's shameful. And, you know, it's really frustrating to me um, that I see these things on Facebook all the time, these arguments that come out. It's not a way to say, Hey, how do we put the strength of Métis people back together to make a difference? Like we once did. Mm -hmm. Métis people once stood up to the government and we did so in great force and we did so to cause a great reckoning, but I'm not sure where those people went. Yeah, I don't know. Well, and, and even if those people still exist and they, they want to, I mean, all they do is if they stand up, they get criticized. So it, it, it's it's a, we're in a, just a never-ending loop of, of perpetuating, self-perpetuating trauma. And uh, 
you know, from the bottom of my heart, I, I can't imagine what uh, any of those 60 Scoop survivors and their families went through. Um, I don't ever want to imagine it or understand it because I don't ever want to experience it. Just like I don't want to ever experience residential school. I don't want my daughter to experience these things. Um, but you know, the, it, the thing, the, these things are real and they're happening and they're still happening today. If you think this is a historical thing, it's not. Like, like we mentioned, it's... Uh, there's a lot of Métis children in care that are taken from families for really no good reason. Um, there's more kids now in care than there was ever in the residential school system. So that's we continue to have these systems do this to our families. And the only way we're going to end it is if we stand up together, united, and put our differences aside and say, I don't care if you're from that side of the imaginary border between Manitoba and this province, or Ontario and Quebec, or whatever, we're all Métis people, and we need to fight this stuff together. And Because uh, what's more important? Dealing with that, that hurt, that pain, that trauma, the, the wrongs that have been done to us, or the fighting about what card represents what imaginary border that the Canadian government made up. I, I don't know. It It seems very simple to me, but we need... And it's just going to continue to happen. And it's it's just depressing. It really is. <laughs> yeah, it's very frustrating. And, I, you know, I, you know, and I don't know what else to say about that other than it's highly frustrating. Yeah. It's, I see it as, as ongoingly, but it's very hurtful. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's got to be, I can't even imagine what it would be like. And like you said, I, I don't know if I ever could. And I don't know if I ever want to. Yeah. Um, and so to, to be sidelined as a Métis people to be sidelined and have no support, no organization of any strength, no Métis people united to, to make this right for you when you were powerless to do it yourself. I don't know. That's got to be the biggest letdown ever. And then, and then to think that there's not some trauma that's going on today and we don't stand united against it. And I don't know. Well, I, I think about it is. It's totally disheartening. And I think about what it would look like to, you know, these survivors and these people that have been through this stuff. What would it look like to them to have 5, 10, 15, 20,000 Métis stand up together in a day of solidarity across Canada? Uh, what would it look like to them to know that, geez, you know, I might not have gotten in on that compensation, but look, my people, they're not happy about that. And they're going to stand up and do something, do whatever they can about it. Now, I'm not saying we can all fight to get a, a billion-dollar payout. But what I am saying is we can m have our voices heard and and actually show the people that went through this that, no, we care. As a community, we care, we stand with you, and we stand against this crap, and we're going to start fighting to end this, the, the garbage that continues to go on to this day. And it continues because they won't recognize the, 60s, the Métis and the 60s scoop. So those people continue to get traumatized, and their families. Uh, it continues in the kids in care. It continues in the murder and missing women. It continues in all of these people that will not get any recognition for what they went through, their families went through. But they can get that from their community, which is us. And I think if we all stood up and made a huge show and did something significant, like our own version of Standing Rock or our own version of the 2017, you know, resistance that Louis Riel fought for. And now I'm not advocating taking up arms against the government, but we can do things. We can show solidarity. We can show uh, 
community togetherness and and a unified front on this. And, and that doesn't start with the cartel. It doesn't start with, you know, anything except people. People need to do it. People need to start organizing rallies in their own in their own towns. Start a, a, a day of action. Every time, you know, let's start our own uh, 60 Scoop Survivors National Day for Métis people where all Métis people recognize that day. I don't care what the Canadian government recognizes. Let's do it on our own. We can do these things. It just takes people to do it. Real, and I think that's the real point, is we need to start looking to our own. And we need to find the strength of solidarity for ourselves. If we can't come together as a people, then what's the point of the Métis people? If we can't stand up for the, the hurting and the defenseless among us, if we can't stand up for the women and the children, and we can't stand up for those who can't defend themselves, then really what's the point? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I don't know. I, uh, I think I'm out of things to, uh, to say about that. I think I'll just repeat myself now. It's just that disheartening. I I don't even know where to go from here. No, you got me. But, uh, I would like to see that. I think that would be an amazing thing to to watch Métis people unite across the country. And, you know, put some petty differences aside for a change and, and let, let's show some support to the people who need it most. Exactly. Because I... What does it matter if somebody lives in Quebec or they live in Ontario and you don't, you know, what does all that matter if we're all going to stand up in support of the people that are in pain? What does all that other stuff matter? It doesn't matter at all. It is absolutely arguing semantics, and that's all it is. <clears throat> you want to get the final words on this, Jason? I think you're better. You're the professor, so you got to have the final word on it. I don't know if I got any final words. I think the ball is in, in Métis people's courts, really, is that if this is meaningful, uh, I think this is a serious wake-up call that, you know, uh, we might not be physically living on the road allowance, but by God, we're we're there. Um, Métis people have been excluded on every front. We've been sidelined in every conversation. And if this isn't a wake-up call to put our petty differences aside, I don't know what is. So my hope is that people will get past this, they'll take it seriously, and that we can find the strength that our ancestors once possessed to do something great. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's do it. Let's let's do something. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's a great way to end the show. Uh, if anybody's got suggestions, comments, concerns, you know, hate mail, whatever, send it to metispodcast at gmail.com. And if we get any, we'll, we're going to read it on the next episode that we, me and Jason, sit down for. And, uh, you know, if, if this didn't incense you, if listening to this podcast didn't incense you to send a, an email or, or voice your opinion, uh, I think that, that goes to show exactly what we're talking about here. So send us send us some comments, and uh, we'll get them out on the next show. And uh, I guess that's it. Until next time, the jig's up. Long live the peak. Hey. My late cooking came from Kawaka to express. Real warrior woman probably popping loose dead. It's poor man's if you wanna talk the language. A hundred clicks north of Virginia's the rest. You still gotta be a chief to wear a headdress. So take your shit off before you ruin it for the rest. You better listen to your heart, there's too many heads. And watch what you say, man, it's way too many feds.